0: 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, we'll read down through verse um, 7. I read this yesterday, and it just really jumped out at me. Now, it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby the daughter of Zechariah. And he did which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. He removed the high, the high places, and he broke down the images, and he cut down the groves, and he broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For Verse 6, For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered, where, where, whitherso he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. I'm going to read on. He smote the Philistines, even unto Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city, and it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which the seventieth year of Hoshe, Hosh, son of of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalman, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. I want to go back now, and you may be seated. Father, we ask you for your word to. Take root in our heart. We ask you, Lord, for your anointing and your authority today to preach what you have, have led me to. And, God, I ask you for every word because, God, it's, it's, it's all in your hands this morning. I trust you, and I am believing you to speak to your people. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice we're talking here about Hezekiah. Anybody remember that name? Okay. thought you would. That, that name is, uh, it's, it's, and we're not talking about Hezekiah Walker, the gospel singer. We're talking about Hezekiah in, in the Word of God. And, and so he was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. Um, his, his, his mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Do you know that name? Okay, we, we should recognize some of these names. Some of these names are, are, are not well-known, but some of these names are. Zechariah, of course, was a, was a prophet. There's a, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible, Zechariah, but we, we see here, and, and I assume this was the same Zechariah. His mother was, was Abby, and, and the word says, you know, I want to I first touch on something right there. We, we have to understand that, that um, you know, every, everybody doesn't have a Christian heritage, and I understand that. And and you can begin a new uh, season in your family if you are just coming to know the Lord for the first time and, and, and never have served the Lord. You can begin a new season. But those of you who had a Christian heritage, then you were already on the right foot, headed toward the right place. That didn't mean that you were saved because you were born into a, a Christian family. But we, we at least have this teaching that's handed down to us. But we see here that, that in verse 3, Zechariah I'm sorry, Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Now, when, when, when we're looking at the Scriptures and we see the, the kings, very often they are compared to King David because, well, let me ask you why. Why did they compare them to King David? Anybody know? That's right. Because he was a man after God's own heart. How many of you want to be considered a a man or a woman after God's heart? So do I. So do I. I want to be after the heart of God, and so therefore King David was somewhat the uh, he was he was the measuring stick that which all all of the other kings were were somewhat measured with, and we see that it says that. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David, his father, did. Verse 4 tells us that he removed the high places and he broke the images and cut down the groves and break in... Pieces, the brazen serpent that Moses had made. I want us to look at that for just a moment. He moved, he removed the high places, and he broke down the images, and he cut down the groves. If we if we look at what's being said there, we have studied any Old Testament history. You you, you would know that, and you you probably do that. the The high places were the places of worship, usually pagan worship. They, they would go up on the high hills and they would create an altar there and they would cry out to their gods. You remember the story of, of uh, Ahab and, and Jezebel and how the prophets of, of Baal and the prophets of the groves, remember that, were, were, they, they were standing in opposition to um, Elijah. And and they they had this this battle, this war. And and I want us to understand this probably took place at a high place because it was the place of worship. Now, the the, the reason they worshipped in the high places probably was because they wanted to get as close to heaven as they could so that their prayer would be heard by whatever entity. I want us to understand that our God can hear us in the deepest, darkest pit of hell. He knows who we are. He knows what we're going through. He is, he is not intimidated by, as we've already said this morning, by the mud or the muck that you found yourself in. So if you find that you're in this place and you don't know how to get out, that is a perfect place to cry out to God. You don't have to climb your way to the mountain. You don't have to find your way to the top. You don't have to say, when I get this mess all straightened up, when my heart is right before God, then I'll call out to Him. And that's what many people in the world will say, but it's the wrong its the wrong thought. We, we can't clean ourselves up. We're not good enough. We're not perfect enough in the sight of God. So cry out to Him just where you are. And just like Tracy said, it's not that God wants you to stay in that condition. On the other hand, He wants to save you and to cleanse you and redeem you and make a brand new creature out of you and make something pure and holy out of you. Don't stay there, but it's okay to cry out to God from there. And Hezekiah removed the high places. When we, when we, when we read that, we, we, we have to understand that what he was doing was he did an all-out assault on idolatry. He tore down he tore down the the altars that were in those high places. He cut down the groves, which which what that what that really symbolizes. There were there were poles that were that were made as as objects of worship to the goddess Asherah, and and they were they were they were vulgar. They were they were. Uh, they they were sexual in nature, and everything that was done in in those groves was was often uh, it was it was totally uh, wicked and against God. And so he he went and he he tore down the high places. He tore down those altars. He broke down the images of those false gods, those false goddesses. He cut down the groves. Anything that related to idols and and. We, we, I'll go on to the brazen serpent in a minute, but he cut down all those things. He tore down the altars. He broke in pieces the idols. And we need, as Christians, we need to do just exactly that. There needs to be an all-out assault on any idolatry in our lives. This is a good place to meddle. And that's not my intent. But we have as the body of Christ, as the church, we have allowed things to become idols in our life. We have allowed things to become idols in the church. I love to worship. I love worship. I love good music. I love concerts, Christian concerts. There's nothing wrong with, with Christian entertainment, but we have allowed that Thing that was supposed to be considered as a, as an offering to God, our worship to sometimes become the thing that we worship. Sometimes our worship is what we're worshiping. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's, it's, this, it's this show that we're providing the best that we can do, the, the most excellent, the, the thing that would that would appear wonderful to the people that we're providing that that really gives us this, this sense of accomplishment. And I'm here to tell you that that is not at all the purpose of worship. The purpose of worship is to a place for us to open our hearts to God and to bless Him with all that's within us. With everything that's within me, I need to praise God. It's not so that you can see me jumping or dancing it's not so we can have fancy lights or 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 smoke and i'm not opposed to those things those things are perfectly okay but we have to keep our focus on god we need to keep the main thing the main thing there's an old saying you have to the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing god has to be the main thing nothing else qualifies for our worship only he deserves our worship Sometimes it's preaching. We have someone who is very anointed, very, very gifted in preaching, and and the world just swoons at his feet. The church just swoons at his feet, and they say, "Oh, what a great preacher! What an outstanding preacher!" And and the problem with that is is that this is usually. It's usually a man, sometimes a woman, but usually a man. And, and this, this human will fail. They will falter. They will make mistakes. We have seen it over and over in the body of Christ. And when that person stumbles and makes a mistake, then all of the body of Christ is shaken. But if we will keep our eyes on Jesus, who was man but it was also God, there will never be a fault. There will never be a failure. He is perfect in all His ways. He walked through this world without sin. He has to be our focus. He has to be the focus of our worship. He has to be the focus of our joy. He has to be the focus of our lives. He has to be at the pinnacle of our lives, seated upon the throne of our hearts. We as Christians need to tear down those high places, remove the high places, break down those images, and cut down the groves. When we're talking about the high places, we're talking about those... Places of idolatry, idolatry, worship of idols. And, and, and if we're talking about breaking down those images, removing those idols completely from our lives. Now, I've named a few things in church, but sometimes it's, it's more personal. You know what might be an idol in your life, and I don't know. But it can be lots of things, it can be your family. It can be your finances, it can be sports, it can be any other thing. It could be your service to God. Sometimes we get all thrilled about God has called me to do this. When it's about service, it's not about the name or the title or or the, the, the glory that comes from it. We have to realize that everything has to bow to Him. So... King Hezekiah removed the high places. He broke down the images and he cut down the groves. And then it says, And break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. I, want us, I, don't, I didn't look that name up because I didn't know I was going to be preaching this this morning. But I want us to consider what is being said here. Do you remember in the, in the wilderness that there were snakes? That began to bite the people because they were, they were not in right standing with God. They were doing things they shouldn't. There were snakes that, that had this poisonous venom that were biting the people and the people were dying. Do you remember that story? Anybody? Three, four, five. I have to preach a little more on the Old Testament there were there were, they went into this area and there were snakes there and they 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 bit the children of Israel and and it was it was more or less a plague and it was it was to turn them back to God because they had turned their hearts from God and God allowed this but then when when they had cried out to the Lord and asked God for mercy and asked God for his forgiveness the Lord told Moses he said to make a brazen serpent make a serpent out of out of a uh out, out of out of bronze and and out of of precious metals and put it upon a pole and hold it up and when the people look upon it then they will be healed now this is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. You say it was a snake. I understand that, but still, this was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ that we would, that he would be lifted up from the earth on the cross. And, 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 and that is, that is wonderful. And I, and I'm, I'm not trying to diminish that, but I want us to understand that sometimes when God does something in, in the church, in the body of Christ, we look at some move of God, or some manifestation of God and we begin to look at it and we almost begin to burn incense to it we looked at at what happened in in uh, brownsville and it was an outpouring of God there's no doubt about it and in toronto some other places that God moved we see these things and we begin to sometimes we run to those we flock to those and there's nothing wrong with going there to experience the move of God however sometimes we hold those things on a pinnacle, pinnacle and we begin to think oh what God did there was so wonderful look at this, what God has done, and we end up moving from look what God has done to look what has happened here. Look at this. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you get that you stay with me, that you get what I'm where I'm going, but we can't look at the miracles of God and begin to lift them higher than God Himself. We can't look at the gifts of the move, the move of the the spirit, the gifts of the spirit and hold them higher than we do God himself. We can't look at what God is doing among us in our midst, the joy, the love, the mercy that he has given us and look at them and lift them up on some pinnacle and begin to think that they are the precious thing. The precious thing is God because when you have God, you have all this other stuff. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. So the people had begun to worship the brazen serpent. So he tore it down. He, he, he broke it down and broke it into pieces. Now I have to think right here for just a few moments and have to share with you that when when we begin to when we begin to tear down our idols, when we begin to tear down our our false ideology of the, the things that, that we have held in such high regards, when we begin to, to tear those th- down and we begin to break those in pieces, it, 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 it makes some of us a little bit nervous and it even makes some of us a little bit mad. You know it's the truth. You can imagine the children of Israel when Hezekiah tore down the groves, they tore down the altars and he, he cut down the the Asherah poles and he he cut down the brazen serpent and and I can imagine there's one group who's saying, "This was our these were our places of worship, these were our shrines, these were our this this was where we worshipped our gods." And 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 so then there was this other group that said, "We're staying true to the Lord our God because we're still worshipping what he did back then." And and all of these things were torn down and they were all broken pieces and I can imagine there were some people who were upset but we have to realize that sometimes it hurts a little bit when God begins to deal with us about the things that are improper that are in our lives can you say amen it hurts a little bit sometimes it's not pleasant when the Lord begins to prune us when the Lord begins to cut things off and he begins to take away those things. You know, we, we often like to say that the, the, the devil divides and the devil subtracts, but the Lord multiplies and the Lord adds. And, and certainly those things are true that I just said. However, sometimes the good Lord giveth and sometimes the good Lord taketh away. <laughs> I know that's a saying and I know that is not specifically the way it's worded in the Bible, but Job said the Lord Giveth and the Lord taketh away. We have to understand that sometimes the Lord will do a marvelous thing in our life, but He doesn't want us to stay there in that season. There's always something better ahead. I don't know if you're getting this or not. There's always something better ahead in God. There's more. There's more. We haven't begun to see the greatness of the things that God wants to do in our midst. We have only begun to see and then it's just so minute compared to what He wants to do. We have to understand that the things that we saw God do three days ago or five weeks ago or ten years ago or... Maybe, maybe ten decades ago. Those things may have been marvelous, but we can't camp out there and begin to worship what God did there. God wants to do an amazing, marvelous thing in our lives today. And for us to see that happen, we have to get those idols out of our way, out of our lives. Verse 5 says, He trusted the Lord God of Israel. I want to just look at that. We're talking about This king who was 25 years old when he began to reign, we're talking about a man who had not lived for very long. And in those days that might have been middle age, but still we have to understand he had never operated in the office of a king. He had never held this office before. He had never been placed with such authority or such prominence. He had never had to deal with the pride that could have come along with being exalted to this this role of king. But there was something in his life already That caused him to not falter and caused him not to fail. He already evidently had a great relationship with the Lord. It had been instilled in him that he had to go after God. And verse 5 says, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. There is no better place that we can put our trust. Our word, our word this morning needs to be, our, our thought, our heart needs to be, my trust is in God. In God we trust. Could camp out there for a little while too. But I'm not going to. It's on our money. But is it in our hearts? It's on the money of of our nation. But is is it in the heart of our nation? We declare it in the church that we trust in God. But is it in the heart of the church? Do we really trust in God? This tells us that Hezekiah did. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Of all of the kings that had ever been king in Judah, none were as great. Of all the kings that were ever yet to come, none would be as great as Hezekiah. And the reason why was because he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. This tells us what success is made of. How many of you would like to end your life being considered a success? Not today, not end your life today, but but you would like when your life ends to be considered a success. Hold your hand way up again. Most all of us, surely all of us, even if you didn't raise your hand, you want to end your life in in some way being considered a, a success. This is the this is the prescription for that. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. To be a success, we have to put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. If we're to get out of this life successfully, it takes reliance on the Lord our God. And verse 6 is the key scripture for today, and I, I've been, been taking my time to get here, but verse 6 says, For he claved to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. I'm going to entitle this message, Stage 5 Clinger. <laughs> Lindsay? I get this name from Lindsay? She even declares of herself that she's a stage five clinger. She clings to mommy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass you just a little bit, but not too bad. Last week, last week she didn't get to come home. The weather, uh, that we, had, we had icy roads, and they were calling for more snow on Sunday. She didn't get to come home from college. She was down at Mount Vernon. She had to stay there. By Tuesday of this week, she was calling and calling and calling and could not get through on the phone to her mommy. Cannot reach her. So she called me, and she said, where is mommy, and why won't she answer me? And I said, I I don't know. I said, she's working. Maybe she's got her phone turned down or in in her desk, whatever. I I just don't know. I said, are you okay? Do you need anything? I just can't get a hold of her. So how many times did you all count it yesterday? 16, 19 times she tried to call her mommy this week, and most of them were on Tuesday. She couldn't. She couldn't get. She couldn't get a hold of mommy, and so she was. She was just stressing out. And I said, "Everything's okay. She's fine. Everything's good. She's. I need to talk to her. I want to talk to her." And I said, "Well, I'll text. I'll. I'll text her and tell her that when she gets a chance to call you, Tracy is bad about answering her phone. If you've ever tried to call her, you probably didn't get her on the first call. She just doesn't answer very well." But Lindsay couldn't get a hold of her, so she spent the week two or three times during the week they did talk. And then in, in my text with Lindsay, I don't think I, I, I talked to you once maybe, but in my text with Lindsay, she told me over and over how much she wanted to come home. Well, she got home, and she got home Friday at, at about uh, 6 o'clock probably, somewhere in there. She wouldn't hardly go out of, out of the house. I told my mom, I was talking to my mom on the phone this morning, that, that Lindsay could not be separated from her mommy this weekend. There, there, was a, there was a few hours that, that Tracy and Lauren went up to get Lauren a haircut that Lindsay stayed home and, and ate and, and then was ready for them when they passed back by to get her to go out. She didn't want to be separate from her mommy. Last night I had to run her out of my bed because she was laying beside her mommy. And when I got in the bed, she got out, she went out of the room, she came back just minutes later, and, and I looked and she's laying on about this much space, holding on to Tracy. Is that not a stage five clinger? <laughs> I'm just a little jealous because she doesn't love me that much. But, but here's the thing, and here's, here's the point I'm getting to. The Word of God tells us about Hezekiah that he claved to the Lord. Well, you know what? Clave is an old English word. We don't use it much anymore, if, if any. But it, mean, it means clinged. Clank, clank. I don't know what the word is. It means that he, he clings to the Lord. or he, he did cling to the Lord. So when we look at the word clave, we're seeing the past tense of cling, basically. He did cling to the Lord. So when it says, he clave to the Lord and he departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord... God had commanded Moses. What we're seeing here is that Hezekiah was such a stage five clinger that the Lord couldn't get rid of him. Would you be the Lord for me? Whatever the Lord does, I'm just going to cling right on. If he stays right here, I'm holding on. If he walks around this building, I'm holding on. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm with you. What's next, Lord? Sit down. Oh, you're going back here? Okay. I'm with you. I thought you were gonna sit down, Lord. I don't want to sit. That's just a small example, but but King Hezekiah claved to the Lord, or he did cling to the Lord. Oh how it would be if the church would cling to the Lord. Oh, how it would be if the church would become stage five clingers. Oh, how it would be if we would hold on to Him, hold on to His promises, hold on to His Word, trust in every breath that He has ever breathed, that we would trust Him and believe Him and take Him at His Word. Do you understand what we would see if we would just put our faith in the Word of God, the Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Righteous One? If we would just cling to Him like Hezekiah, we would see our city changed. We would see our church changed. We'd see our families changed. Our lives would never be the same if we would just cling to the Lord. Word of the Lord says that He clave to the Lord and He departed not from following Him. He departed not from following him. But he kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. And verse 7 tells us the Lord's response. And the Lord was with him and he prospered him wheresoever, whithersoever, he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Israel had been in bondage to Syria. They had been subservient to Assyria. And the Word of God says that he rebelled against Syria and served him not. This tells me that when we cleave to, when we cling to the Lord our God, that freedom comes in our life. Things that have had us bound, things that have held us, things that have kept us from being the 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 kings and priests that we should be, things that have kept us from being the people of faith that we need to be, things that have kept us from understanding the truth of God's Word will have to be loosed off us. Off of us. They'll have to fall away because our God will fight for us. He prospered him, whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he served him not, when we're looking at the word prospered here, it's not just talking about financial prosperity. And that's okay, but it's not just about that. When God prospers you, it's about the blessing and the favor of God. When God prospers you, the things that you touch are... are they, 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 it's, it's like that, that old story... King Midas. It seems that everything turns to gold. And I'm not talking financially. I'm talking about it can be financially. The Word of God says He will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. And the Word of God also tells me that He will heal all of my diseases. The Word of God also tells me that He will save my children. And I understand that prosperity is far more than just the giving of money, but prosperity is the favor and the pleasure of God shining on me. And I want the favor of God in my life. I want God to smile on me. I want his pleasure to be upon me. And that is exactly what God did for King Hezekiah. Because he claved to the Lord. He did cling to the Lord. How many stage five clingers do we have? And even if you say, well, I I may not be acting that way right now, but today I declare I'm a stage five clinger i'm hanging on to god i'm hanging on to him i'm going to get right close to him most of you maybe maybe now maybe most of you don't know who fred beer was some of you do he attended here for many years he was a great friend of mine went on to be with the lord a few years ago he used to say i want to be so close to the lord that when he comes back riding on that white horse he's going to turn around and look at me and say get your own horse That's a stage 5 clinger. He's already in the presence of the Most High God right now. I want to be so close to the Lord that when He moves, I know it. Most of the time, we are not close enough to the Lord to even know it when He moves. Talking about the body of Christ. Sometimes God will move in a certain direction and the majority of the church doesn't even know it. We go ahead and have our services and we go home. God wants to, be, he wants to be close to us and he wants us to be so close to him that we experience him to a great level every day, every hour, every moment of our life. God does not want you to do this life alone and feel like he's a million miles away. We don't walk by feeling, we walk by faith. However, God wants you to experience him. He wants you to know him. And God has plenty of room. He's God. He's got plenty of room for you to slide up close to Him and just latch on to Him. I'm not coming back right now, Kyle. And just latch on to Him and hold on. And hold on for dear life. Hold on to God for dear life. Eternal life. Life more abundantly. Hold on to Him for dear life. He... He's a God who loves us. And his favor is for those who love him. I want to be a stage five cleaner.